welcome to Perspectives, which is a series of inspiring conversations with remarkable working women who are leading busy and successful lives. And this is a particularly special episode for me because we are going to be speaking with my very first perspective guest ever, Alison Arden. Alison, welcome again. <laughs> Thank you. Oh my God, Katie, I am I'm delighted to be here and in awe of the fact that you've been doing this for 10 years and that I did have the honor of being your first guest. It's a really special thing and really just so awesome to be with you. Well, thank you. And I just, I love our friendship. We were just talking about our group of friends. I love the fact that we've stayed um, friends for so long and to watch you just blossom in such an amazing way. I am excited to dig into. So when I first met you, you were the publisher of Ad Age. And since then, you've created an entirely new company and a way of looking at mental health and mental wellness in business and wrote a book, which uh, we'll talk about later because actually, I think you had written the book when we first talked, but that plays an interesting role in how you think as well. But could you please sort of take us up until your career journey? up until creating your company, The Elements of Us? Sure. I mean, um, well, first of all, thank you, because you are extraordinarily generous. And it is, I think, it's a mutual admiration society. And probably the thing I love most about our friendship and, and our group of friends, which is truly a, a group of women um, wholeheartedly, fully supporting other women and just championing each other and celebrating each other. And it is truly, truly special. So um, I'm still blessed to have that. And from a career perspective, I think I was like that kid who didn't really know what she wanted to be when she grew up. And so it was always a bit of an exploration for me. You know, when I was in college, I was um, kind of like no idea, um, but ultimately found my way to journalism because my mom pointed out to me that I really loved magazine advertising and considered it to be kind of my art. And I didn't know you could make a living doing anything related to that. So ultimately, I wound up when I got out of school going into publishing. I would have thought I would have wound up someplace like Cosmo, but instead I wound up at a tech magazine that was all about computer-aided design. And what I learned from that experience is that you could become passionate about um, really anything if you are surrounded by good people and they're excited about it and you kind of find the interesting pieces to it. And that's what I did. I was really fortunate in my first job to work with people who were incredibly supportive and really passionate and allowed me at a young age to do some pretty cool things. So like within three years, I was traveling all over the country and um, I got to launch a magazine and interestingly enough, was working for a magazine called 3D Design, actually launched a magazine called 3D Design and got to kind of see the backside of the internet before the internet was even a thing. Um, but there, I think there are a couple of trends to my career. And one of them is like connecting creativity and business. And so that has always been um, one piece of it. And the other piece was always kind of working through the work-life blend and trying to make sure that I had a life that I was really um, excited about while also having a career that I was really excited about. Um, ultimately, I wound up at Ad Age, which is where I, I got to meet you. And 
got to do when I was there, they kept giving me the thing that needed to be figured out and needed and the new business that needed to be launched or evolved and all of that kind of stuff. So I got to create a content marketing business before content marketing was really a thing. And I got to lead our digital um, digital properties when it was about figuring out how our brand should live in the world in, in the digital space. Um, and then ultimately wound up becoming publisher. And I say wound up becoming publisher because that was never a job that I really wanted. It was the job. I didn't see myself in that big job because I was the mom of two young kids. And that wasn't the thing I thought I was going to do. Um, but there I was. And I'm glad that I did because it led to many wonderful adventures and experiences. And really kind of was the, um, the insights that I gained in that job led me to what I do now. So I'm really grateful for that experience. I like how you say work-life blend because it's such an, a better way than saying work-life balance. And you you did do that. I mean, you had this huge job and you were raising two kids beautifully. You're a very involved mother. and Two beautiful kids as, as the very proud mom. Yeah. Well, let, let's talk now about the elements of us and the insights that led you to your firm. And how did it come about? What do you do? Sure. Um, the Elements of Us is a visual framework that I created to help visualize the subject of emotion. And it was born out of an insight that I had when I was working at AdAge and um, leading through the global financial crisis and leading kind of in the middle of an industry that was going through seismic change, while also having kind of this big job that I never thought I was having and managing or raising two young kids. And what I realized was that underlying all of this and the thing that really dictated success or failure was how you were able to navigate emotion and kind of how you, um, the, the behaviors you chose and, and all of these things. So there was an opportunity to manage that. But the challenge is that emotion is invisible. And I realized that if I was able to make the subject of emotion visual, that I would be able to help a lot of people. And so I created this elements of us that is based on the periodic table that makes it kind of indisputable that these emotions exist and gives people the tools to really start understanding how to get from where they are to where they might want to be. So right now we bring the elements into companies and we lead workshops and we do one-to-one coaching um, all around the subject of, of emotion and helping to create really open dialogue so that teams feel so much more connected and can do great work together. Um, so that's really what, what the elements do. And I've seen them do phenomenal things for, for really wonderful teams. So I'm really excited about it. It's interesting because emotion, when I came up in my career, was something that you did not bring to work, most specifically totally. as a woman. And mm-hmm. I remember even times that I remember one specific time I was sitting in Alex Bogusky's office and who, for anyone who doesn't know, was a huge, very influential person in advertising and my boss and very influential to me. And I can't remember what happened, but I couldn't help myself. And I got tears in my eyes. I was so upset by something or other. And he was so visibly uncomfortable with that. I thought to myself, okay, this is something I must never do again, no matter how <laughs> emotional I feel. And I know you're not only talking about being upset, but how is that when you tell people, you know, we, I want you to bring emotion to your job and to what you do? 
well, we just want we just want people to be able to show up as themselves, right? There's research that shows that the key driver to successful team dynamics is psychological safety. And psychological safety means that if you're having a bad day at home, you're able to say when you get to work, I'm having a really hard day and letting people know kind of where you stand. And that's okay, right? Letting somebody know when something hasn't gone the way you want it to go. I, I don't, I think this idea of leaving emotion at home, that ship has sailed. Yeah. Right. And if it hadn't failed before, if people hadn't thought it failed before, they are clear that it has failed now. Right. I mean, the pandemic brought us all brought this blend together in a way that none of us really could have ever imagined. Um, but it also just brought to light the, the fact that some people are really struggling. And that's important for us to know. Um, and and we as leaders need to be able to um, hold space for people and allow them to to share what's on their mind. And in fact, we need to open those conversations actively, because if we don't, they may not bring them. They may not have the ability to bring them. And we won't get the best out of our people if we're not able to allow them to show up as they are and feel that they can um, can be honest with you about what's going on with them. And to have real empathy. Many people have it in spades and you see it now during this crazy time in the world, especially, but you also see a lack of it. And what's your view on empathy and the role that it plays in business? That empathy is, is um, incredibly important. It's important in society um, and it's important within our organization, right? There's because we have been so disconnected, because we've been living behind screens, because we haven't been um, together, I think empathy has gone down. There's research that shows that people who have leaders who they believe are highly empathetic are more engaged at work. And they feel that they're able to be more innovative in their jobs, um, which is um, incredibly important. I, my personal belief and research supports this is that um, things like our cell phones have made us so much more disconnected. So the research shows that if you're in a conversation and there is a device on the table, even if you're not touching it, um, there's a reduction in a feeling of empathy. And then once you do pick it up, you start looking for something and then the other person starts looking for something and there's no eye contact has gone and that feeling of connection is lost. And when there's no feeling of connection, then we miss it, right? So working on ways to allow ourselves to be present for each other will increase that connection and um, will um, bring us all to a better place. I mean, from a societal perspective, recently there has been um, crime that has been rising in so many parts of the country. And the feeling is, or the way the literature reads, is that it is because of this reduction in empathy mm -hmm. and therefore a reduction in trust. And when there's no trust, then, you know, then we don't have anything. And we don't have anything. Wow. I can definitely, I see exactly what you mean. Okay. I want to switch gears and talk about something you said earlier about connecting creativity yes. and business. So yes. I remember number of years ago, walking into an anthropology, which at the time was my favorite store and seeing a big display of the book of doing everyday activities to unlock your creativity and joy by Alison Arden. Tell, us, <laughs> tell us about the book and what it teaches people to do, because it feels even more relevant than the day that you wrote it. It's, it's so funny. I mean, I think it was as relevant then as it is now. And uh, it's the 10th anniversary of your podcast. And we know that it's the 10th anniversary of the book, because the first time we spoke, we were talking about the book, which is so, so fun. 
Um, the Book of Doing was kind of born out of my own exploration of um, just kind of exploring my life through new eyes, right? When I said I um, hadn't wanted to be a publisher, I, I didn't. And so taking on that big job and like being that person was not something that I necessarily felt comfortable with. And instead of, you know, everybody has different ways of dealing with things, I decided that I needed to go on an exploration of my life to understand kind of if I never thought I was doing that, what did I think I was doing? And I, I went on this exploration and paid attention to the things that made me happy, the things I did out of obligation, um, the things I didn't think were possible, but turned out to be possible if I tried. I never thought I was writing a book, but um, ultimately that exploration did lead me to a publisher that thought that it would be um, a, a really fun book to to put out. And the point of it is, um, I think as we get to a certain age, we think that we're too old to try new things, or we get so bogged down in our day-to-day -day responsibilities that we don't do the things that light us up. And when you step outside of your comfort zone and make time for those things, um, and that could be anything, it could be going for the run, it can be um, leaving your phone behind and just going and looking outside, like going outside for a walk on a rainy day. It sounds so little and trivial, but these things are things that just start to light you up and start to um, it, it peak curiosity in a way that, that we often lose when we get so bogged down. So I think, you know, there are a couple of messages to it. Um, if you're sitting in a place of fear, as I may have been when I didn't want to take that job, um, one of the best antidotes to fear and anxiety is action and just, just starting to take the steps to lead you to a better place. So finding the joy in the doing is um, one of the big messages. Um, the second is you're never too old to try something new. And in fact, trying new things is what keeps you young and keeps you excited and keeps you exploring. Um, so those are just um, a few of the messages in the book. And the book was never a way of me saying like, I did this and you should do this. It's more about like, pick out the things that really light you up and go do that. Right. So the first nine pages are the pages you read of the book. And then the others are just ideas that um, for things I did, things that I crowdsourced from friends and other people that were just um, interesting new things to just step outside of your comfort zone and ultimately find creativity and joy. It led me to doing lots of things I never thought I would do. Well, in terms of trying new things and not getting too old to try new things, um, you're also back at school. At uh, Harvard, no less, because uh, you don't do anything halfway. So can you talk a little bit about why at this point in this very successful and interesting career, you decided to go back and get another degree? Um, sure. I, you know, I never thought I was just like, I never thought I was writing a book. I never thought I was going back. Never. Like if you would have asked me, I would have told you you were crazy. Um, but I, you know, I realized that I built a, a framework, a psychological framework based on all of my experiences and based on lots and lots of research, right? I took, I've taken a um, kind of a, a big concept and use creativity to visualize it so that it's adding to a really important conversation of mental health and well-being. Um, but over COVID, I realized like I've done this. And it works and I see it working in workshops and I see people light up when they use it, but I don't have that psychological grounding. And I decided that if I went back and got some of that psychological grounding, it would make the work I'm doing even better. And I so believe in the work that I'm doing that anything I can do to deepen it and make it um, work even better is something that was really important to me. And so the Harvard thing happened because it's a program that didn't make me go and take the GRE. So 
so it was kind of my workaround. So the, it was that was that was kind of accidental, but it's it's kind of cool. You know, I'm I'm proud to be you know going to Harvard and getting this degree, and it has done more for me than I ever could have imagined. I I mean it, I will tell you it's it's scary or it was scary leaping back in and you know because there was a test that I needed to take to kind of earn my way into one of the classes and then just kind of going back to being a student is is really um, interesting but uh, I had to take these three classes to kind of earn my way into the program and and I did it and each one stretched me in a new way and brought me something different brought me something different brought uh, my framework something um, new and has just, it's really kind of furthered my conviction in the work that I'm doing. And, um, and I think made it makes it more valuable for, for everybody who touches it. That's amazing. I'm so proud of you. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> it's, 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 um, I, I, I'm pretty proud. I'm proud that I kind of took the step and got myself to do it, but it's been, it's been pretty, it's been pretty absurd. I can imagine that. So you mentioned work-life blend, which I said, I really do like that better because so many people just hate the word work-life balance. I personally like it. A lot of people say, oh, well, that's another, another thing I'm supposed to be doing, but whatever you call it, balance, blend, how you do everything, how do you, this sounds like such a basic question and I hate when I hear people say it, but I really mean it from a very real point of view. How do you do all of this? Because you have a very robust personal life. You have a great husband. You have kids. They're older now, but you're very involved in different ways still in, with them. So how do you do all of this? Like literally, how do you do this? What's your day like? You know, I, I do think it is about kind of, um, it is about finding the time to do the things that you want to do like period, full stop, right? Like everybody, everybody for the most part can find the time to do something if they really want to do it. And once you make that decision of like, what is important to you, you're able to make different choices based on that. And that does sometimes mean saying no to certain things, but find, just finding finding the time. You know, if, if you really do chart out your days, you can squeeze out additional minutes in every day, but it is about them being honest about what it is you want to do, protecting your time and your space, being surrounded with people or surrounding yourself with people who will support you in that. So that's, that's really important. And, and you will ultimately do that. I don't know that you can do it all at one time. That has been something I've had to work on from time to time, right? I do think that there was a period in my life where I felt like I needed to do everything I wanted to do in that moment. Right. A little bit. And this is going back to, you know, probably accelerated from um, from 9-11, mm-hmm. you know, where, you know, we realized in a day that everything could really change and you could lose the ability to do what you want to do. And I know I've gone deep, but um, I did go through a period where I just want, thought I had to do everything that I ever wanted to do in life in a very short period. And that is, is not really healthy. Right. So you do have to pick and choose what is important to you and and find the time to do it. You know, I will say I can only take one class per semester because two would be too many for for the work that I need to put in and all the other things that I that I want to do. And so it's just it's about prioritizing and and picking what you really want to do and then making the time to do it. I love everything you're saying. And it's also about really figuring out 
What do you want to do? What's the most interesting to you? And not putting so much pressure on, as you say, to do it all at once. You know, there was there were so many conversations for a while about, well, can women have it all? This is before, mostly before the pandemic, you know, can you have it all? Can you do everything you, you should be doing and want to do and be a size two and cook farm to table meals and be a great business? No, I'm not being Whatever. a size two. <laughs> Like all of these, all of these things. But I think the thing is you have to figure out what's important to you and also figure out, you know, maybe this time in my life, I can do one thing. And maybe this time in my life, I can do another thing. And that, that brings me to something about working mothers that I wanted to ask you, because you and I have kids that are basically the same age. I think my kids got started a little earlier, but, you know, as a working mother who obviously the way that you need to parent your kids when they're very young is different than the way you need to parent your kids when you're older. And it gives you a chance to, when you're older, but when they're older, to either lean in or lean out more. How has being a working mom changed for you in the sense of the amount of time you can spend working or the amount of time that you spend sort of guiding your kids still or spending time with them? Um, I still spend a good amount of time with my kids and, and I really, I, I love that. One of the, I stepped away from, from my role when I decided I was going to start um, my company and start pursuing this new area. And one of the reasons that I, that time was so important to me is because my son was um, going to high school and I knew I had a limited amount of time left with him home. And doing that job that I was doing and being really present for my kids was not possible in the way I wanted it to be. Now, then COVID entered the equation and we were all kind of really present in that way. But, um, but I, you know, I I did prioritize spending time with my kids. I, I can't often say I was always fully mentally present and that's something I needed to work on because I do think you can be physically present and not mentally present. And that is that is something that we we do need to work on. Um, but I think that the, your role as parents does change in that at a certain point, you you lose the ability to tell them what to do, right? You become their guide and you hope that you've done your job and that you can offer your opinions and then ultimately they're going to make the right choices. But I'm working on, and this is actually a skill I think that's important for parents and leaders. So it's kind of fun because I see it. I'm kind of working it through with um, the work I do with companies and helping leaders to have these conversations where they can allow people to be vulnerable and can allow people to share and kind of can have those open conversations where they're getting, they're helping people get to their own truth. And I'm kind of doing that same thing with my kids. And that is um, more kind of hanging back and not always offering your um, very specific opinion. My daughter's really funny. She's very clear when she wants my input or when she's just sharing. And that is because I was often looking to give my opinion on what needed to happen. And she finally said to me, mom, not looking for your opinion. This is a share. And that was an important distinction for us, right? And I want her to always find me to be the person who she wants to share with. And I have to get comfortable with the idea that she's not always going to want my opinion, right? And uh, she just wants me to be her kind of like that person for her. And I want to be that person for her. So that's really important. I completely agree. And I have a 
incredibly smart, very, I would say headstrong, but that sounds like it's a negative and it's actually a positive. She knows what she wants. And same thing. A lot of times she's just sharing with me and not asking my opinion. I've had to learn how to hold my opinion back unless it's asked for. So, but in terms of opinions and in terms of advice, I would love it if you could please share with us one piece of advice that has helped get you through your life and your career. Uh, one piece of advice that has helped me to get through my life and my career. Um, have a, a greater belief in yourself than, than you might. You are truly capable of whatever it is that you put your mind to. You know, I, the, the elements of us is, was kind of my um, notes to my future self of all the lessons I learned along the way that helped me get out of places of fear and anxiety and perfectionism and all of those other things that can hold us all back and got to get myself to places where I tried things that I never thought were possible and have succeeded in, in many ways. You know, I, and I, there's so much more that I want to do and so much more that I want to achieve and accomplish. And it's about kind of giving giving that out to, to other people, right? I think this, the biggest lesson is um, just, keep, just keep going and continue to step into a place of knowing that you can, because you can. That's fantastic advice. So before you go, if people want to learn more about your company, you have a podcast as well. If they want to listen to it, follow you, where do they go? Email me, allison at elementsofus.com, or you can visit the website, at elementsofus.com or at LinkedIn, you know, all, all the usual places. But I like, you know, one-on-one communication because oftentimes it's that deeper conversation that's going to lead to kind of what we can do together. Fantastic. Allison, thank you so much. Thank you. I've loved our time together, Beauty. Thank you.